<laughs> yeah, but it's better for recording and then your apartment. I feel like yours would echo a lot. I bet you we'd hear my landlord's team. Oh yeah, that was not fun shooting there with them above. No. No. Oh, uh, yeah, by the way, this is BC is Creepy. creepy. Did it. <laughs> Yay! I'm Ariel Hansen. And I'm Topher Graham. Together, together we're Bad, bad cookie, cookie Pictures. And this is our podcast about all things creepy in British Columbia. From cryptids, to murder, to ghosts, UFOs, uh, all sorts UFOs. of stuff. It's more fun to say UFOs. <laughs> Basically, if it's spooky, creepy, weird, and it's happened in British Columbia, we're going to talk about it at some point. So last week we talked about a serial killer. The Boozing Barber. Yeah, we've also done a cryptid episode. We've done an episode of an unsolved murder with a ghost involved. Which and is why I'm uh, smudging the room. It's just good measure. Yep, yep, Topher's the superstitious type. So I figure we've done, you know, monsters, both of fictitious and human variety. We've done ghosts. Now it's time to get in a cult. What yeah. are we doing? So today I'm gonna tell you all about Brother 12. I think I've heard of them. Okay, okay. <laughs> maybe, well, maybe. So, well them, uh, that's the leader's name is Brother 12. That's not the name of the whole cult. <laughs> I haven't heard enough about him, obviously. Okay, so specifically we're gonna talk about Brother 12 himself because he's sort of the main showcase of the cult. But uh, he was born Edward Arthur Wilson on July 25th in 1878 in Birmingham, England to Thomas Wilson, who is a master craftsman, and Sarah Ellen Pearsall, and as a family, they were fairly well off. Ooh. Yeah. 1878. So what type of time period are we looking at here? Um, so the cult is active sort of before World War One, I'd say. Sweet. We'll get to, we'll get to it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But uh, his family was a part of the Catholic Apostolic Church, and that is a part of the Catholic Church that, like, full-on believes in devils and angels and demons and the second coming, and that had a lot of influence on him as a child because he thought that he was in touch with angels from a young age. That makes a lot of sense. If you're told from birth, essentially, that angels and devils are real and they can talk to you and they're part of this universe, then yeah, you, yeah. Might, you might have some, uh, well, experiences and, and yeah. think much of them. And who knows, it could be mental illness that gives a good explanation for it as well. Sounds like a cop-out. Tell us about him. What does he do? Okay, so like throughout his whole life he did a ton of traveling, which all started when he was 12 and he like became an apprentice to on a ship and eventually be, he became a master seaman. Uh, yeah. When he eventually ended up in Wellington, New Zealand and he met his wife who he had two children with. Eventually he brought them to the west coast of Canada, so to British Columbia. But then in 19 12 he abandoned them to go traveling again oh so dick yeah real real <laughs> swell kind of guy he's so work yeah why didn't they just go traveling with him i guess he was not the type who liked to be tied down while traveling it's just chasing tail oh we're gonna get into that <laughs> <laughs> you are pretty accurate with that guess so the first time that he visited vancouver island was in 1905 and that was like a long time before he ever started his cult so he like saw the island and that would have permeated his mind and he would have gotten these ideas this throughout. is the place this is my place yeah so well, Vancouver Island's kind of like the most haunted place in Canada. 
Pretty much. Okay, and also I was wrong about the timeline. It's more so the 1930s, 19, uh, 1920s, so like 1930s. pre-World War II, yeah. post-World War I. Yeah. Kind of... Uh, sort of around the Depression. Great Depression. Oh, so you're gonna Maybe a bit before the Depression. A lot of broke people, a lot of like vulnerable, impressionable people. Impressionable, yes. A lot of cults tend to target wealthy people. Like, you get a combination of really poor people and really well-off people and well-educated people because a cult, they make them feel like they've got this, like, they know what's really going on and everyone else doesn't, so... It's the secrets. Yeah, all these secrets and... We're in the inner circle. Exactly. It, it gives, like, this impression of being better than everything one and thing else and cults will also target people who have a lot of money already because those people tend to give all their money to the cult and it will pay for certain things as we shall see but 1930s this is like pre-jonestown pre oh, heaven's oh, gate pre, pre pre all the cult like all, all the, the well-known cults big ones. yeah yeah this is the precursor to true cult activity in north america the thing that like sparks all of this I mean, he is already a little weird, you know, thinking that he's talked to angels and stuff and abandoning his family, but uh, he eventually, in October of 1924, traveled to France, and while he was, like, bedridden with sickness... Okay. Yeah. He had an Egyptian vision where he was addressed as Pharaoh. Honestly, it's like Alistair Crowley. <laughs> sort of. Weird guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, except... Like, more cult-y. More Christian-based. Mm, that's hard. Uh, Maybe. We'll get into that. So, in 1926, he created his spiritual manifesto. It's got a lot of just stuff that's in most cult manifestos. You know, calling for people to become less materialistic, come together for brotherhood and enlightenment. And it also had, like, the classic doom and gloom kind of thing. End of the world is coming. Exactly. Society is going to collapse any moment. Prepare your yourself. We gotta, like, hunker down. Exactly. Like, we are the only ones who know the way to weather this storm. We need to lead the world. Humanity is only gonna survive if we do kind of thing. And if they do as us. Also, many of his teachings were based in theosophy. Theosophy. Okay, you're gonna have to explain this to me. Yeah. Well, not me, personally, but Wikipedia is gonna explain this. (laughs) Alright, Wikipedia, lay it down. Theosophy according to Wikipedia. Theosophy is a religion and form of Western esotericism. It was established in the United States during the late 19th century by Russian emigre Helena Blavatsky and draws its beliefs largely from Blavatsky's writings. As taught by Blavatsky, theosophy holds that there is an ancient and secretive brotherhood of spiritual adepts known as the masters who, although found across the world, are centered in Tibet. These masters are believed to have cultivated great wisdom and paranormal powers, and theosophists believe that it was they who initiated the modern theosophical movement through disseminating their teachings via Blavatsky. They believe that these masters are attempting to revive knowledge of an ancient religion, once found across the world, which will again come to eclipse the existing world religions. So, very based on, like, Eastern. Yeah, it's ba- it, from the sounds of it, it's like basically they just pick and choose stuff from different religions and mash it all together. It was the 30s and nobody had traveled the world, but if you say some fancy things about places they've never been to before, exactly. they'll, get to really, they'll imagine it in their heads and get really. I get it. Yep. <laughs> 
Now, we're going to get into how he took his name, which he took his name because he claimed to be the 12th disciple of a disembodied entity that identified itself as one of the 12 masters of the Great White Lodge, which... What is the Great White Lodge? I did not look a ton into the Great White Lodge. In my head, I like to think that it's like in Twin Peaks. So you got the Black Lodge and the White Lodge. Is it like heaven? Are we... I don't... I think it's a little different from heaven it's more like teams okay so like these crazy monks over here they they're from the great white lodge yeah and they're the good guys and then the people from the i'm gonna call it the the shadow lodge (laughs) so just a lot of like exotic words to make you feel important yeah exactly like and basically he just wanted to feel better than everyone else and yeah sound important because how are you going to get people to follow you if you don't sound important? So he talked a lot of the age of Aquarius, aka like a new age, and he urged people to leave for BC to build a commune of members of his Aquarian foundation. This would have been before the song. Yep. (laughs) Well before the song. Too bad he could have used. And of course, for the members of the Aquarian foundation to head for BC and be a part of this commune, this meant selling all their possessions and giving all their money to Brother Twelve. Oh, I see the game here. Yeah, it, it's every, well, not every cult, but like 99% of cults. Take up all your money, we'll all pool it together, but also I'll be the most important one and I'll get all the cool shit. Yeah. And marry all the children. Did he marry children? No. Okay. That's not actually, that's not a super big thing for cult leaders. When I did my research, I found it a lot. Really? Waco. Um, not Jonestown, but uh, a lot of the Mormon cults, they like to... Okay, that's that's kind of specific. Like, if you're looking overarching, like, if you're thinking, you know, Om Shinrikyo, um, Heaven's Gate, Jonestown, um, oh, what are... the Moonies, there was even Nixium. That's very specific Christian cults Yeah. that are from a specific subset of Christianity, not so much like the cults that kind of come up with their own philosophy, yeah. even if it is pseudo-Christianity. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, there, like, there are some really creepy ones, like, I think it's the Children of God cult. That, that like, was the sex cult. Wasn't yeah, it? that was the one that encouraged sexual touching of your own children. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, I, <laughs> I listened to a whole podcast series on it and it was horrible oh yeah well yeah don't touch your kids no never touch your kids in a sexual manner we digress yes (laughs) yes he didn't touch kids no he didn't touch kids he didn't touch his own kids so at least he's got that going for him i guess Yeah. Godspeed, Brother 12. Mm-hmm. Now, on the way to BC, he went to all the different Theosophy lodges across Canada to recruit people. Theosophy was pretty big, so there'd be like all these lodges in the different cities and stuff that you know wealthy people would go to and be like, Oh, I'm so fancy. I'm a part of this society. Do we still have Theosophy lodges? Is it still a, a thing? I feel like it's not, but 
they, they're probably still around. It's gonna be like one or two if they were everywhere back then. And like I was saying earlier, like this tends to happen with cults, but a lot of the people who wound up following him were actually these highly intelligent people because so many highly intelligent people, they still, despite being smart, have that urge to believe in something bigger than them. And and also it's the community when you're, exactly. when you're building up your cult, you want to make sure that people feel like they have a family around them. Yeah. So while this is all happening, he also eventually took up a common law wife and her name was Elma. So as he's building this cult, it's like, yes, and this is my wife, Elma, even though he never divorced his first wife that he had children with. It was probably easier to get away with that in those days. Oh yeah, I mean, (laughs) if you're calling yourself Brother 12, I'm pretty sure no one's gonna be looking up to try and find if you have children. Can't just Google. (laughs) Exactly. There was no Facebook back then. Brother 12, you're still married, according to your Facebook page. Yeah, according to your Facebook profile, who's who are all these children in your pictures, Brother 12? Mm. How come we never see them around? Are they your nephews? Or is that your sister? You're in a lot of pictures with her. Unfollow. <laughs> I think he would just start blocking people. You, you can't do this to me. You, can, you can't. I'm Brother just... 12. I'm Brother 12. I'm not. I'm, I'm not Edward. I'm, I'm Brother 12. <laughs> So he also went down to California at one point to recruit people. And with all the money from his members of the Aquarian Foundation, he was able to buy property in Cedar-by-the-Sea, which is on the island. It's near Nanaimo, Mm -hmm. which is one of the larger towns in Vancouver Island. They at first lived in a tent city while they were building homes on the property, which um, something that is kind of at least nice is that when they were building the homes, they built them far apart. So people families wouldn't be constantly like all around each other you could actually have a bit of privacy which is another thing that modern cults definitely tried to eliminate is people don't have that kind of privacy no they were it was always about we're together in this we're very communal like to the extreme yeah give up your family and live with us kind of yeah And so there are about 125 groups within the Aquarian Foundation across North America and each had like around 10 members. And this was in 1927. So that was a pretty large pool to pull from to start your little commune. Yeah. I mean, if all of them are selling all of their stuff and pooling all this money. Oh, yeah. And like, especially if they're wealthier people too, then... Super rich. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Now, here we're going to get into some... This this is where it kind of becomes very clear that this guy had a lot of delusions of grandeur. Okay. So... This is the fun part. This is where the good stuff comes some in. Some of the good... Some of the... Oh, there's a lot of good stuff. But, uh... So, <laughs> he wanted to pick the next president and vice president of the United States. <laughs> really? Yep. He believed that, like, that was his journey in life, was he was going to pick the next leaders of the free world kind of thing. From B.C. Well, he event- <laughs> he did take a trip to the States to work on all of this. Meanwhile, his commune cult is still going in B.C. Uh-huh. And part of why he wanted to pick the leaders 
for the United States was because he believed the world was run by a handful of Jewish financers based on this forged document called the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. It's a fake document and it duped a ton of influential people back then and so most of his political beliefs were based on that. So this is like the rampant anti-Semitism that was plaguing oh, yeah. all of Europe and all of the, the world, world, really. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. So because of that, he tried to lay the groundwork for a third party candidate. And, well, he thought that the best person to lead that third party was the KKK spokesperson in Washington. <gasps> We have a reappearance by the KKK! Yeah! Yeah! Seems they were a lot more common back then than we... They weren't illegal yet, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) They didn't have the FBI trying to infiltrate and destroy them. But, um, yeah, so because he thought that this dude was going to unite the people under Protestantism, because, uh... One of the candidates for president at the time was a Catholic, and he thought that, like, if this Catholic was elected, that there was going to be a civil war in the United States between the Protestants and the Catholics. My God. Yeah. Wasn't the same world we live in today. I mean, there's still crazy, horrible stuff happening, but... So, flash forward, none of that ended up happening. He was a pretty big failure in that sense. You're never going to get a third-party candidate in the States to, to go all the way. It's The system's rigged. Yep. So, after that adventure, he bought property on Valdez Island, which is just off the coast of Vancouver Island near Nanaimo. It's near Cedar-by-the-Sea. Yeah. So, he was, you know, getting a bit more secluded, but also, like, expanding his reach for his cult. An island you can visit today? I think so, maybe. We'd have to look up the BC fairies. Okay. So, another thing that happened was that, you see, there was a woman by the name of Myrtle. And in addition to, of course, being rich, which, I mean, that's kind of his type, is anyone with money. Myrtle. Yeah. She also claimed to have Egyptian dreams growing up. She thought that he was the man that she was seeing in these Egyptian dreams. Always Egypt, like the height of mysticism, right? Yeah, well, especially that time period. Well, that was when Egypt would have had their own cinema, and so people were watching Egyptian movies, like a lot of Egyptian movies. This would have been, like, rivaling Hollywood. Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, it was exotic and foreign and beautiful, and this was, like, the oldest civilization in the world, and people were, like, obsessed with it. It's always pharaohs and queens and princesses, and it's exactly for reasons like this, because people thought it was mystical and exotic. So, because she believed he was the man from her dreams, he knocked her up. Yeah, and because he was claiming claiming that he was the reincarnation of Osiris and she was Isis. Uh. So they were, you know, having their child to save the world or whatever. <laughs> so, sure, buddy. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so after he planted his seed, that <laughs> also helped sow the seeds of doubt within <laughs> the cult. <laughs> Thank you. His followers 
Sanders started to get authorities involved under the belief that he was misappropriating donations from this one specific rich lady named Mary Connolly. So this went like all the way to trial. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and during the trial, there was a surprise witness, Mary Connolly herself. Uh-oh. And she said everything was fine. <laughs> I love giving him money. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's what she, she said. She just was like no, this is, I'm cool with what he's doing with my money. So that case was like totally dropped. So wait, who's pressing charges in a case like that? Um, I guess it was the rest of like other members. Or other members, okay. Other members would have contacted the state and then maybe the state pressed the charges. So they're like, wait, this guy's being a bit shady. Yep. They're talking amongst each other. Like, did you give him all your money? Some of them are. I gave him all my money. (laughs) Like, this is no, we're not even close to the end yet. Okay. So this is just like the first taste of dissolution. So Myrtle ended up getting hidden away on Valdez and she had several miscarriages. Oh. Were they from him? Yeah. Like, she wasn't having sex with anyone else. Oh, geez. So he's like sleeping with all of his... No, this is Myrtle. Oh, Myrtle. This is the the lady with the Egyptian dreams. Right, right, okay. The Isis to his Osiris. No, he's not trying to knock up Mary Connolly. I think she was (laughs) past the point of being able to be knocked up. Bummer. Yeah, like we're talking little old lady. Oh, Little old rich lady. Little old rich lady. Is he he still married at this? Or he's still married to like the one girl, but she's like far away. And he's still got his common law wife. His common law wife. And he's got this new girl on the side. Yeah, so that... Egyptian queen. That also kind of like people were like... Uh, But this is your wife. Why are you checking out this Polyamory. It's not a new idea. Yep. But like back then, they were just like, no. After all these miscarriages, eventually they just sent her home. Uh, Yeah, they just sent her on a train ride back to her family. Oh, so the baby never came through and like saved the world? No, no, no. No Horus. So after that happened, a bunch of new followers arrived. So this is like just when people thought, okay, his ISIS is gone, the cult's gonna fall apart, yada yada. Then just tons of new followers arrived. Is this from like attention in the media or how are we we reaching out to these new people? In theory, he didn't take everyone from all of his Aquarian foundations, so those are still getting new members and showing the wonders of Cedar by the Sea and Valdez Island. (laughs) It's like, I've got beautiful new beachfront property, come join my community and let's... The world's gonna end, modern society's gonna collapse. Come hang out with me, it'll be cool, we can like drink some beers and watch it all fall apart. Yeah, and so now we get to another lady in his life. To the colony, this woman arrived with a man she was mistress to. Her name was Edith Mabel Skatow, or I don't know how to pronounce this. It's probably like Scottish or something. Can I see? Or Irish. It's, yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> S-K-O-T-T-O-W-E. But she's got a much easier name she went by, which is Madam Z. <laughs> like <it's> Latina. <laughs> <laughs> she's not a teeny Z. She's a Madam Z. It'll be a Latina when she grows up. Yeah, I could see that. She just... She's like 30, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> no, oh, I'm picturing her when she's like 60. Oh, yeah. Totally Madam Z. She's got this manner. (laughs) Floating through the room. Welcome to Madam Z. (laughs) I love 
Right. Maybe there's like a salon where she hosts tea. <laughs> She's got a big giant beehive haircut. I was picturing more bohemian, like more, you know, Stevie Nicks style. Okay. <laughs> long gray locks <laughs> and like jewels and scarves. Let me read your fortune. Exactly. Exactly. So, Madame Z arrived on the island and Brother Twelve, he was quite into this lady. He declared her to be Brother Three. And he took her as his mistress. Mistress number, third mistress, fourth girl, probably a whole bunch in between that we don't know about. Yeah, I mean, almost every cult leader likes to get it wet as much as possible. (laughs) That was awful euphemism. (laughs) Every cult leader. Almost every cult leader. Every cult leader likes to throw it in a couple times. No, no, Heaven's Gate cult leader, he was not into... Well, he was also, like, chemically castrating people. And himself. And himself. He he killed himself too, right? He was oh like, yeah, he was among. He was like yeah, no. This he, he like fully believed in that. Yeah, he wasn't in it for the money. No, no. I watched his videos. He's an interesting person. Lloyd Kaufman needs to play him someday. Oh please. So after taking Brother Three, Madame Z. Yeah. It rhymes. Ah. Uh, as his mistress, he put her in charge of the day-to-day running of the colony. And it was this point where, like, things took a really dark turn into full-on bad cult. Naughty behavior. What are we talking Um, about here? (laughs) Well, okay. So before we get to the specifics of the tyranny of Madame Z. Okay. uh, So already we're secluded island. Oh, but it's Communal living. Everybody's sold all their money and it's going to him. Yep. And things are about to get a little bit more secluded because they just bought DeCourcy Island. DeCourcy Island. This is still in BC? Yep. Oh, this is... So DeCourcy and Valdez are very close to each other. So it's basically a triangle of outposts for the cult. So at this point, Brother 12 kind of goes gun crazy. You know, probably (laughs) convinced someone's going to try and steal all his money. So he started creating forts on DeCourcy Island that uh, were patrolled by female sentries. (laughs) So women just had to walk from these little forts to little forts to make sure no one was trying, trying to get on the island. And he'd also started to stockpile guns at this point. Oh, that's never a good sign. It's also not very Canadian. No. Of course, I mean, he's British originally. British people don't like guns neither. But, but we're talking about like post-World War One. And also he did want to pick the president of the United States. Okay. So he's probably got a lot of that influencing him as well. Militarizing. Yeah. So at this point, he and Madame Z go off to England for a while. While Brother Twelve's in England, they buy a boat and they sail it back to BC. And there's all these stories that when he arrived back at his islands that he was ferreting away these strange packages onto the island. And a lot of people think it was true. Well, that's how you fund things. You buy and sell drugs. And even today, like, that's how terrorist organizations will gain grounds. And mm-hmm. the Taliban, they're yeah. selling, uh, they sell, like, opium, heroin, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, and not only that, but, like, a lot of cults, too, use a lot of drugs. Or the leaders are often on drugs so they can maintain that, like, cr- 
high energy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Jim Jones, he wore those sunglasses because his eyes were like so strung out from all the drugs oh. that he didn't want anyone to see it. He's a total like cokehead, Jim Jones. Please. Not just, I think it was not just coke, but like speed. He'd take uppers <laughs> and downers. Okay. So like he'd take uppers and then he'd take like downers to go to sleep. And You'd think you'd have like your own commune in Guyana and you'd just like chill, but... <laughs> yeah, he was a man with no chill. He was a man with no chill. So now we're about to get to the end of the Aquarian cult because Mary Connolly finally makes her way out to the colony. This is our like rich old lady. She's been the main benefactor of this entire endeavor. And so she arrives at the colony and because she put in so much money and everything, she thought that she was going to be one of the upper echelons and she was going to be Surely. one of the main advisors. And instead she was treated as one of the people in the bottom of the pecking order because there uh, there were even stories that Madame Z forced her to wear a yoke like an oxen or something oh god and had her plow the fields oh so geez. you can sort of see what kind of a leader Madame Z is real crazy tyrant exactly <laughs> stockpiling guns and that's brother 12 he's the gun guy she doesn't like guns uh, she doesn't not <laughs> like guns but that's like his thing he likes the guns she likes likes to turn people into oxen and make them love you. Yeah. So at this time, there were also rumors that Brother 12 was going back and forth from Vancouver Island for syphilis treatment. Uh, that old fun STI. That's like the kind that like melts your face off. And, and also makes you crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that would explain a lot of his behavior. Now... Bit of a playboy too, so makes sense that... Yeah. Getting this oh, like yeah. That. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, also, there was a hierarchy of which colony you were sent to. Yeah. So there's the three colonies. I do believe that it was De Courcy was top dog. Nice. Then Valdez was like the second tier colony. And then Cedar by the Sea was the lowest. So this Mary Connolly lady had been sent to Cedar by the Sea. So she's like the farthest away from the leaders. She's not really getting in on any of the decision making. She's just. How big are these islands? Are other people living on these islands other than them? I think they're pretty small. This is also before there was a ton of people around there too. So these are like some of the first settlers of this okay. area. Okay, so it's like really isolated. Yeah, yeah. They're not they're not like Salt Spring Island where it's really big. It's like much smaller. Okay. Yeah. Now the straw that broke the camel's back was when Madame Z told this 80 year old woman that she needed to drown herself to report to the afterlife. Oh. Yeah. Like you need to be in the afterlife now. Go drown yourself. That's the only way you can do it. So this lady failed to drown herself three times. It's hard to drown yourself. Your body literally like stops you from doing it. Exactly. After the third failure, Madame Z berated her so much that she like ran off in tears. Yeah. So this little 80 year old lady, she's just been trying to drown herself. Aww. Then this Madame Z chick is like bullying the hell out of her. Aww. And so much so that this little old lady is running away crying. Aww. And remember, this is like also late 1920s. So someone being 80 years old, not as common too. So like she would be very decrepit by our standards probably. 
Oh gosh. Yeah. She's trying to drown herself so she's not. A, she can go to the afterlife. Yeah. Sad. Well, when the rest of Brother Twelve's followers found out about this, they were not happy. Like, do they mutiny? Is it awesome? Not quite awesome. They do the sensible thing and they go to Brother Twelve and start questioning him about his leadership and the things that have been happening on this island. And of course, when they did that, he went ballistic. He just started exiling everyone to see by the sea. Oh, God. So this was probably his biggest mistake, actually, because when he sent everyone to Cedar by the Sea... If you lose all your followers, or you, you take all of your followers and treat them like crap, they're not going to follow you anymore. Not just that. <laughs> not just that, but he put all of them in one place. So they all start talking oh, to each other. And they can mobilize. And... and they can start talking about taking court action. Okay. So this is when there's more charges that come up and everything and all of this court action starting to happen and in the meantime, Brother Twelve and Madame Z, they decide to run away. Aww. They go to Valdez Island, grab all the money, and then start destroying all of the buildings. How are they destroying them? I'm pretty sure it was fire. Nice. Yeah, I think that's probably the easiest way to destroy them. Oh yeah, especially back then. And like, if you're trying to be speedy about it. Yeah, yeah. fire or dynamite. Yeah, so he and Madame Z ran away and then he... Eventually uh, ends up in Europe where he allegedly passes away a heart attack or something like that. Madame Z, she gets inherits all the money. But there are rumors that he faked his own death because one of his lawyers, yeah. their son remembers, I believe it's in San Francisco, seeing his father, the lawyer, yeah. meeting up with a man in like an all white suit and giving him a suitcase of money. And this guy was convinced that that was brother. 12. Oh, so he gets off easy after all of this. Maybe. Maybe. Or he, like, was murdered by Madame Z in Europe for his money. Oh, I hope so. One of the two. But then, I don't want Madame Z having a good time. No, she She's sounds worse. like a sadist. Yeah, like, things were not horrible until she came on the picture. That makes sense. Yeah, they were just, like, living in a commune, stockpiling guns. She comes and turns them all into crazy people. Yeah, and so after they had left the island, there were these rumors that he'd left his stash of gold, which was, like, worth over a million dollars back then. Yeah somewhere on Valdez Island so people would go hunting for it. That sounds like a fun job. I don't think it pays well. It will one day, maybe. Mm, maybe not. If likely. it actually is there. Yeah. And not, you know, a million dollars taken away because he needs that. Yeah. So my main source for this was actually, it was really cool. I got to watch a documentary. Nice. Yeah, so there's a documentary. It's the Canadian's Brother 12 documentary. It's on YouTube. It's like 45 minutes long. Got a lot of information. Pictures of him? Yeah, I think there's pictures. There's an interview with someone who was a child as a part of the wow. commune. Is this like 50s that they made this documentary? No. Or? No, like if the person was eight, yeah. then they're and an adult. Like 30s. Okay. Yeah, so they're an adult when they're interviewed for the documentary. I think it was like the 90s or something that they made it. Okay. 90s or early 2000s, something like that. I still keep picturing him as like an Aleister Crowley type. <laughs> I feel like you wouldn't be wrong. Um, there's also like, I didn't read it because I'm a slow reader and I wouldn't have yeah. gotten through it in time for this, but 
there's also, I believe, a book called The Devil of DeCourcy Island. Ooh, that sounds good. I believe that's about Brother 12. There's a few different websites as well that you can get a lot of information. But yeah, it was kind of cool to learn that there was one of those really weird cults just here here in BC. And it didn't end in mass suicide. I freaking love BC, man. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty and creepy. Yeah. BC is creepy. Pretty and creepy. Yeah. That's our takeaway here. (laughs) All right. So if you have any more topics and think that we should cover, hit us up. We can be found on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're Bad Cookie Pictures. Yeah. We have our own website. We have the whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, If you want to email us, if you've got suggestions or just want to tell us cool stories of bc or canada or even just say hi yeah we're friendly um you can email us at badcookiepictures at gmail.com and then uh i can be found at hansen's horror on all of the social medias i'm at sneezing wolf but i'm a little less active it's probably easier to go through bad cookie yeah your your twitter is my twitter is not nothing yeah it's just you tweeting at me pretty much pretty much (laughs) your instagram's a bit better yeah my instagram's cool i'm like really cool on instagram you just don't give anything captions no well who needs captions you've got pictures says a thousand words ariel don't you want to specify what thousand words the picture says i want people to infer for themselves Okay, fine. It's mostly just pictures of me anyway. Look at the cool shit I'm doing. That's true. You are the person who posts photos of yourself on people's walls for their birthday. I've stopped doing that. You have. I know. I I do. I don't know. It was fun for a bit. I just stopped using Facebook to wish people happy birthday. I I can't keep up anymore. Yeah, no, it's too many. There's so many people that I need to wish happy birthday. And I feel so bad when I don't. But it's like, yesterday was somebody's birthday tomorrow's somebody's birthday and everybody's always having a birthday like i, I, I want to give you the attention you deserve i really do but that's why i just put out a blanket policy if i've stopped if i see you in person i will say happy birthday but or if you're talking to them like messaging yeah. them that day like yeah yeah but yeah so social media we love it kinda no <laughs> but I, we use it honestly i love the bad cookie of social media stuff <laughs> it is super fun to get notifications back <laughs> Okay, well, uh, anything else before we sign off? Anything creepy happened to you? Uh, no, but, um, well, next episode. I'll save it for next episode. I'm sure I'm going to have lots of stories because I'm going to be back from Mexico. Oh, yeah, you're <laughs> you're leaving, like... I'm leaving B.C. Week. Yeah, yeah. And by the time you hear this episode, I'll be, like, long back and... <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. You will be back by the time they hear this. Yeah. So... <laughs> so, I'm going to have lots of stories. And it's going to be my turn. And but I'm, the catch I'm going to be is... talking about B.C., Yeah, course. yeah. Unless you can find, like, some story that about... Connects. To Mexico City. Yeah. Or that, like, find a story about someone creepy from Mexico in BC. Because there was, like, um, some Spanish exploration within BC as well. So, like, Cortez Island was named after Cortez y Bodega, who was one of, who was, like, an explorer. Also, Quadra Island, or Quadra y Bodega is the explorer. And then the Cortez Island, that was another Spanish named island. 
I think Valdez probably as well. I'm going to have to look into it. Yeah. But I'm going to have lots of experiences, and it's going to be my episode, and I'm going to find something really cool for you guys. So, all right, might, we have, might have a guest. We'll see. I don't know. I, I doubt we'll have a guest lined up that fast. No, okay. We'll plan for it to just... It's complicated. I'll try not to do another murderer. Yeah. <laughs> you have to do something that's not murder. I have to do something, <laughs> something else. BC is full of stuff, so... Okay, so this has been BC's creepy stay creepy